Hey, on today's episode of Draft Class, Jonathan Charks and I will be joined by Mark Titus and Tate Frazier from One Shining Podcast, and we're going to discuss the return of Michael Porter Jr. and some 2018 NBA draft sleepers. But before we get to that, I got to tell you about Yahoo Fantasy Baseball. Spring training's in full swing, which means it's time to start thinking about Yahoo Fantasy Baseball drafts so you can flex your skills like a real general manager. The new weekly lineup format makes it even easier. Use the Set Active Players feature to set your lineup for the week in one tap. Yahoo Fantasy Baseball is the official fantasy game of Major League Baseball. Sign up now at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball. We also want to tell you about the ringer.com, where you can find an incredibly well-researched piece by our colleague Danny Chow about the tanking race in the NBA. And Danny will actually be back on the show next week. Also, we have a plethora of podcasts to listen to on the Ringer Podcast Network, such as a tiny little show called The Bill Simmons Podcast. You might have heard of it. Check that out. Our boss, Bill, had on former NBA All-Star and two-time champion Chris Bosh for an excellent two-part podcast. In the first one, they talked about that incredible Game 6 rebound and shot by Ray Allen. And in the second part, they talk about virtually everything else you can imagine. You can find that interview and more on the Ringer Podcast Network. And now, time for Draft Class. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Kevin O'Connor. This is Draft Class, our weekly Friday show breaking down the 2018 NBA Draft. Calling it from Dallas, Texas, it's fellow Ringer staff writer, Jonathan Sharks. Hey, man. I'm really excited for the show. March is my favorite time of year. I've been catching up on all these college basketball teams. To get in the spirit of the NCAA tournament, our producer, Isaac Lee, has been dropping bags to get some blue chip gas to the pot. Yeah, I'm going to have to submit some expense reports for these two duffel bags that mysteriously lost in the ringer office. I hope our CEO, Jeff Chow, doesn't mind. Well, it's definitely a better deal than DeAndre Ayton just for 100K. <laughs> we have the host of the greatest college basketball podcast in the universe, One Shining Podcast. It's Mark Titus and Tate Frazier. Welcome to Draft Class, guys. Oh, we are so excited to be here. I'm we have We have so many opinions. I don't even know where to start, Tate. I, exactly. I don't, I don't, we have no. We don't know where to start. That's Kevin's job on this podcast. Okay. We, no, just oh, get, we don't have to. Oh, yeah, we just get to let Kevin ask us nice. questions, and we get to yell things back and uh, act irrationally the entire time. So totally can't unscripted. Wait. Yeah, you may not know it from their pod, but these guys are two of the biggest NBA fans at the Ringer. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard Titus loves the league. He just claims he doesn't maintain his brand. I get it. It's important. Yeah, we love the NBA. We absolutely love it. We love all the NBA happenings going on. We love, you know, the memes of the NBA. Uh, <laughs> memes are great. Do they, my question to you guys, do they actually play basketball in the NBA? Or no, is it just not. like all exist on Twitter it's and all like fine. press conferences? It's, it's and, all Twitter, all press conferences. Yeah. It's just it's about all stats. TMZ style it's stuff. Stat That's generating. It. Okay. Yeah. It's like the WWE, you know? Yeah. To start off, we are going to be talking about top NBA draft prospect Michael Porter mm-hmm. Jr., who returned last night after missing virtually the entire season except the first two minutes after having back surgery. Porter scored 12 points on 17 shots, had 12 rebounds in Missouri's 62-60 loss. After the game, Porter said, I knew I wasn't 100%, more like 65-70%. <laughs> the last thing to come back with this injury is your explosiveness, your pop. That's just not there yet. I have to be patient. We also have to be patient. But Tate, what are your initial takeaways? No, we don't, because <laughs> Absolutely we not. have had to wait this entire season to hear Michael Porter Jr. say, my back's hurt. We get that. We had the surgery. We saw the shot. We all, we call it the Michael Porter Jr. mystery on One Shining Podcast. So we waited this whole year, and he has the doctors at Missouri, and they say, hey, Michael Porter Jr., 
you're ready to go. You're 100%. And he's like, I don't think so, guys. So he goes to do his own doctors. He flies them in. They come in. They say, Michael Porter Jr., you're 100%. And we're like, finally, this guy's going to play. Then he waits another two weeks to make sure he's like 110%. And then when he comes back, he's like, I'm 65%. Sucks, he's like 65%. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's amazing. The one thing he didn't bring up on there that he's the skill that he's waiting to come back is like just his overall talent. That's one thing he failed to mention on that whole list. Um, I, I'm overreacting. The guy was like, he, he looked lost out there. Um, mm-hmm. He looked. I don't know, Tate. He just He's mastered the art of I want you to pass me the ball, but as soon as you pass it, I just throw it back. It's like Jackie right. Moon and Semi Pro. He's like, feed me, feed me, feed me. And then he throws it, it back he out. Sets like, really no, good I don't screens. like, like, it. He, like he, he moves really well, but mm-hmm. I don't think he should have come back. No. Charks, I, I think he should have set out. I know you have a scolding hot take about Michael Porter Jr. Let's hear it. Well, I was just wondering, like, if he's not a hundred percent, why take seventeen shots? That thing that kind of blew my right. mind. He's like, I'm really kind of hurting right now. This is not going that great. But I'm going to shoot the ball every time I touch it because I'm Michael Porter Jr. Like, what? Like, what did his teammates think of that, I wonder? Here's the thing with Porter. Last night, you know, he had a hard time getting to the rim, turning the corner, lost the ball a couple times, handling it in the half court. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's rusty, he's rusty. But those were weaknesses in high school. Right. That's not new stuff. Mm -hmm. That's the type of thing where, yeah, maybe the explosiveness isn't there, but the ball handling was never there. And it's still not there. I wish that were something that we saw a little bit more of last night, but it's just not there yet. But nobody remembers any of this because, first of all, very few people actually watched him play in high school. Mm -hmm. And then he's been sitting out for so long, and you hear so many people talk about how much of a game changer he is. And you see, like, his brother, Jante's having a great season, and he's supposed to be the one that sucks in the family. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, (laughs) if Jante's that good, Michael's going to be like, this is unbelievable when this guy comes back. And the only video anybody has ever seen of him is that that John second, Wooden, yeah, McDonald's All American, the game, McDonald's yeah. All American holding up the John Wooden yep. pyramid of success, mm-hmm. and he, that's, they just show that same clip over and over, and they're like, "This guy is versatile." <laughs> and you know who else played in the McDonald's All American game, folks? LeBron James. <laughs> think about that for a second. You're like, "Oh my God, is this guy LeBron James?" And that's just kind of how it's all been. And then he actually plays, and you're like, "Oh." That's it. You're like, Yante Maiden is way better than this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, speaking of what Tyus was saying, like, is it possible Jante is the better brother? Because Jante can really play, man. That guy's got a really good feel for the game. He can move a bit for a big guy. He can shoot threes. Like, I, it wouldn't stun me if that's, like, a possibility out there. That, like, five years from now, he's the better porter. Yeah, he's he's only, like, what, 16? Yeah, he's super like that. Like, he recla- <laughs> They did the thing in college basketball where they made him reclassify, which is like, we've talked about this on our pod before, how it's like, nobody bats an eye at this, that these mm-hmm. kids are like, you're like, hey, you're a sophomore, how about you just skip two years of high school? Or like, you're, you know, if he didn't reclassify, what was that final year of high school going to look like for him? Like, what kind of classes would he take? But no, this kid just like reclassifies. He's very young. So yeah, I actually like really like Jonte. The thing about Michael, though, is like, he was he was hyped up into this, and I guess if you're making excuses for him or saying you know just give him time and all, if you're if you're taking that approach, if you're being an apologist, this was like a very tough situation to step into with the SEC tournament and it going up against Yante Maiden, who's a very good player, and uh, just kind of all the hype that's surrounding this. And he's kind of like billed as this savior that Missouri is just sort of like keeping the the ship afloat and mm-hmm. waiting for him to come back to save the day. And it was he didn't really get to slowly progress into things. So well, they sort of played it like they were, they had this Carmelo chip to come in and just run through the NCAA tournament. They could get him the ball and they needed to score. He shot like Carmelo. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he <laughs> shot like Carmelo. Carmelo. Just didn't make Carmelo anything. this year for Oklahoma City. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> Current Carmelo, yeah. yes. Uh, the weird thing about Michael Porter Jr., and I tried to make all these excuses, like he's a freshman, he obviously hasn't played at all, but Tillman comes in, who's also a freshman, who was a five-star, Jeremiah Tillman, and he looks miles and miles better than, than yeah, Michael right. Porter Jr. in every facet of the game, even though they don't play the same position. But at the same time, like, 
Conzo's sitting over there, and we call him Conzo now. It used Conzo. to be Conzo, now it's Conzo. Conzo. <laughs> and like this, this new coaching wave with Conzo, where he had to put Michael Porter Jr. back in. Missouri played better when he was off the floor, yeah, because he didn't take shots away from Jonte and the rest of the team. Did he make the right decision to come back? Should he have done it? No, no. He should have. He should have set out this year and come back to Missouri for another year. Nice. That's a good done. take. That's what I thought he should. Have. I thought he should have set out all of this year. And come back. Well, right now he's ranked like sixth, seventh. I've even mm-hmm. heard eighth from a handful of people. And it's the type of thing where I think he looked at it as, well, if I come back and I excel given the circumstances you guys outlined, maybe I can play myself into that upper echelon of the conversation. I mean, what does he need to do moving forward with whatever amount of games he has remaining to do that? Do you think they'll tone him back for the actual NSA tournament? Because like these are a, that's a really important game. They'd be like, Mike, take like seven shots and move the ball a bit or just like do your thing out there. <laughs> <laughs> can he tone it back though I mean his game I don't know. is scoring 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 yeah. right well th- this is why I thought he shouldn't come back because his, his reputation had just blown up so much that the only way all of us would sit here today and talk about how he was successful and Michael oh my god did you see Michael Porter Jr. is if he would have scored like 30 if and he had 33 like and 17 like yeah, Marvin Bagley like Marvin Bagley yeah. that, that was the bar that has been set by every, how everyone has talked about him mm-hmm. which is why I thought he should have set out the rest of the year because what is there to gain even if he would have played like Instead of going five for seventeen, he was like eight for seventeen and and had twenty points or something. People still would have been like, I mean, he was good, but it, you know, is that really didn't see that? this, didn't yeah. see that, and it's like. Yeah. That's why I thought he should have come back next season. I thought he should have set out all this season, come back next season. But the problem now is now that he has come back, you know he's going to the draft. Yes. Like sure. it's confirmed. The fact that he came back, tried to play in this game means that he's worried about his draft stock or wants to improve his draft stock in some way and thought he could play a shitty Georgia team and it would improve his draft <laughs> stock. And turns out Georgia's not as bad as you thought. And Mark Fox had a great game plan. And uh I don't know, Missouri. If they're Mark Fox's nine, game plan of let the guy who hasn't played basketball in three months shoot <laughs> fadeaway threes. <laughs> oh, he wants a fadeaway three? Let, let him, him take it. Sharks, have, have there been guys who have missed virtually the entire season and then come back and become Grammy? You know, we, we got Kyrie Irving, but yeah. is there really mm. anybody else that, that, that comes to mind? I don't know. I mean, it, it's usually... Tyler Zeller back. is one... Tyler Zeller came Zeller. back in yeah. 2009. That uh, was pretty helpful. There's not a lot. Cantor missed his whole season at Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> Cantor played <laughs> it right. He was the none and done. He was like, yeah, I will never play a minute for this school. Yeah. I've already played professionally for five years. But, but now he's one of Cal's guys, too. So like, yes. he's, he got it all. Yeah, He's in. Maybe it'll work out for Porter like it did for Cantor, be a social media star. Let's take a quick break. Tate, it's important to get practice as a producer, right? Yes, of course. Well, that's also true in fantasy sports, which is why I'm telling you again about Yahoo Fantasy Baseball. Spring training's in full swing, and it's time to start thinking about Yahoo Fantasy Baseball so you can flex your skills like a real GM and crush your league with the Yahoo Fantasy app. The Yahoo Fantasy app is the number one mobile app in fantasy baseball. You can draft, trade, and manage your team right from your phone. The new weekly lineup format makes it even easier to run your team all season. Use the Set Active Players feature to set your lineup for the week in one tap. Sign up now at yahoo.com slash fantasybaseball. Create your own league or join a public league. Don't miss out on baseball season. The Yahoo Fantasy Baseball app is the official fantasy game of Major League Baseball. Now we're going to talk about bridges. Mm. There's two bridges. There's a lot of bridges in, in the, the world. Draft lottery. Charks, you, you wrote about one of these bridges. Actually, you, I think you wrote about both bridges this season. Miles Bridges and Mikel Bridges from Villanova. Which one do you want to start with? Let's just go, Charks. We'll start with Michael. I love the guy. He's great. Love his game. He'll be great in the NBA. Why do you love his game? I mean, I think the things he does really well are the things NBA teams need. Like he's a great shooter. He's a great defender. He makes any team better. And I think just... Like, you add them to a team, they're better on offense, they're better on defense. Like, he's kind of the way the league is going. If you're going to have a great team in the NBA, you got to have a guy like Michael Bridges. Like, to me, when I'm building an NBA team, I want one or two guys like that. 
And guys like that are very, very hard to find. So a guy like that should go really high in the draft. Well, Titus, he hasn't always been this guy. When he was a freshman, so, he was a bench player on Villanova's championship this is, team. When I when I think about the bridges, so both the bridges frustrate the hell out of me because they're both so damn good. And for various reasons, both of them struggle to like realize their potential, at least in, the, in college. With Miles Bridges, he just wants to shoot threes. And that's like, when you look at what the NBA game is today, I guess you're sort of like, I get it, Miles. You want to shoot threes. That's cool. He's playing to Please. impress NBA scouts at this right. point. With Mikhail Bridges, it was always like more concerning to me because it felt like like a mindset where like I just didn't feel like he was aggressive enough and mm-hmm. he didn't. And I don't know why that always, that was because, I mean, part of it, maybe you're playing for Villanova, who has been the best college basketball program in the last five years. The system at Villanova is designed like an old school college system where you bide your time, wait your turn. He's on the team now. Tate and I were talking about this last night that Jalen Brunson is like everyone's pick for national player of the year, his teammate. And Mikhail Bridges is better than him. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, it might be that situation where he's just like got a weird pecking order he has to sort out. But they're just games where he just sort of like, I, I wouldn't say disappears. That's probably too harsh. He but fades. He just sort of he fades. fades. And it's yeah. and it's not that he's playing bad. It's just that like you want to grab him and just shake him and be like, dude, you could be like a top five pick if you just played, you know. I mean, he, the, the year they won the national title, he has a, when he was a freshman, he was a huge reason why playing mm-hmm. defense, just being the energy guy, being the X factor, dare I say. Um, <laughs> So th- that's always been my concern with him. Uh, he's, he's certainly gotten better at that. He's gotten like more as he's as he's progressed in Villanova, and it's become clear that like he's a stud. Um, those sorts of things have worked themselves out, but like just sort of the situation he's been put in is such that he has to defer at times. And I wish just I, I wish in an alternate reality he would be the guy. He would know he was the guy, and we'd see what that would look like. That's kind of one of my key concerns too. If you're taking this guy in the top ten, uh, I think there's some home run swings out there, greater risks, but possibly guys with much greater rewards. So with with him, you have the mindset. Does he have the mindset to want to become that star player? I don't think so. But not only that, I think he's really lanky, uh, mm-hmm. and and I wonder he has a seven foot two wingspan. But I wonder is he as versatile? as he appears to be Tate, at the NBA level, that is. I mean, I think it. he definitely is. I mean, in my head, I've always thought he was basically Kerry Kittles 2.0. Every time I've ever watched Kerry Kittles, mm-hmm. or back in the New Jersey Nets days, I think that's what Bridges does. My problem, you're talking about deferring. It, you watch these Villanova games, and it's like, DiVincenzo at times has the mentality that I wish Bridges has yes. where he just like he'll defer to DiVincenzo and Dante's like okay I will just drive to the basket and get fouled <laughs> or I will shoot this three I have no problem doing that and you're looking at Bridges you're like you're the guy now you're a senior you're finally here just do it and that concerns me but my question to you guys I mean I, I see that he's going to be the number 10 pick which I think is higher than I ever thought that Bridges would ever go especially if he stayed four years of Villanova but is Trevor Reza or Kerry Kittles worth the number 10 pick in the draft? I mean, I think it is personally, especially if you're a team like the Sixers and you bring them into a team where you already have stars. I don't think Bridges is going to come in and be Andrew Wiggins and we're going to say you're the star of the right. team. You know, I think he's got to come into a system that's in place and you're like, our, our Harrison Barnes on the Warriors, like you're our third or fourth sure. option and you're going to play good defense and you're going to help us I out. I would say like I'd rather have him than Andrew Wiggins. Like Wiggins takes a lot of shots, but who cares? Like in the NBA... You're going to have guys who take shots on your team. So, like, I'm not sure Michael can really, like, assert his will. He's not really a shot creator. But I think, like, a guy of his skill set at the next level, when everyone around him is going to be better, it doesn't matter as much. Like, if I can get a guy who can take, like, 10 shots a game and really help a team, I think that can have more value than, like, a traditional shot-creating guy. Like, in my article I talked about, so, with the Wizards this year— Otto Porter has a better net rating than Wall or Beal. Because, like, if Wall goes out, well, we'll give Beal more shots. 
we'll give we'll give Sadoransky more shots. Like shots can be redistributed, but a guy who shoots threes and defends, that's just got value anywhere in any situation. But Charles, if you if you're redrafting the entire NBA, wouldn't you still rather take John Wall and Bradley Beal ahead of Otto Porter? I don't know. I mean, Wall makes like $40 million a year. He's an older guy. He's getting older Throw now. Out contracts. Yeah, Throw out contracts. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all new deals. Like, no no money. Well, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I feel like there's more good point guards in the league than there are good 3 and D guys. I'm not sure Wall is like a Steph Curry level guard that I have to take him top 10 or whatever. I think this is the beauty and the difference between like us when we're watching basketball yeah. and watching these guys in college <laughs> versus like the NBA outlook on players. Because to me... If you were to come up to me and, and say, and, and I judge most of these guys from what I know talent-wise in college, and you were like, I've got Bradley Beal, I've got John Wall, and I've got Otto Porter. Which one are you going to take? <laughs> team? I mean, there's not even a question. You know, like I almost laugh in your face, and, and I'm like, I can't believe Otto Porter is involved in this conversation. But in the NBA, it makes sense, you know, because like the way the teams are set up and how the – it's just such a different style of play, and it's such a contrast in the way you think about basketball. That, say it. Say it. It's not real basketball. <laughs> say it. Say it. It's not real basketball. I don't, basketball. I don't it's think glorious. it's real. It's entertainment. It's made for television. They don't play for the love of the game. Damn it. Is it fixed? <laughs> well, 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 then how does Miles Bridges, a guy who I have a hard time assessing what his yeah. role will be, What's his role in, in this fake basketball league called the NBA? Uh, so his, <laughs> to me, what I, I think he's Car- I, and we already mm-hmm. invoked Carmelo's name in a derogatory sense on this podcast. <laughs> but again. Uh, he looks to me like Carmelo Anthony if Carmelo shot left-handed. Hmm. He's got the body. He's got the like skill set where like he, he's got the the mid-range game. He's got like all of the stuff that Carmelo had when he was at Syracuse, and he kind of reminds me of that sort of guy. But he also just like wants to shoot threes, and it, and part of that is he's played out of position. I think Charks wrote an article about. See, this. that's what I was going to yeah. ask you. How much of that is just having Nick Ward there, kind of clogging yes. up the lane? If you followed Michigan State all year, they have this guy named Nick Ward, who's like a pretty good <laughs> college basketball player, but he's also like kind of out of his mind. And he, in an ideal world, he would be brought off the bench. He's he's Michigan State center, so Jaron Jackson has to play the four. Jaron Jackson mm-hmm. should be playing the five. Bridges should be playing the four. But Izzo can't bring Ward off the bench, or Ward will Ward just will shut fight down. Him. Yeah, yeah, Ward will like, punch him. <laughs> he will literally fight Tom Izzo if he tells him to sit so on the bench. So Ward has to start, and Bridges has to play the three, and like it clogs up the paint, mm. and he's like, well, I guess I can shoot. And by the way, he is actually a good three-point mm. shooter. Like He's got a smooth stroke. I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to become like a— you know, like a solid three-point shooter in the league. Well, I don't know if he's going to be, you know, hitting five threes a game or whatever, but he's going to be, like, consistently well, he, hitting him. It's just— He's got spots. So he yeah. knows when he, when he knows where he, he wants to go in the three-point line, like, he has little spots, like, on the semicircles on both sides. Like, it's like LeBron. He knows where he needs to get to to shoot a good three. Right. But if he gets forced in a position where he's taking, like, a corner three that's not in the offense and, he, and it's, like, a random shot, he'll brick the shit out of it, you know? And you're just, like, kind of came out of nowhere. He's also the guy that a defender will get switched on. Some, like, 6'2 walk-on dude will get mm. switched on to him. And everyone in the gym's like licking their lips and they're like, oh shit, here it comes. He's about to just dunk on this guy. And then he just pulls up for three. Or like a little mid-range and too. Like he'll, he'll like drive and back the, him down and That's the stuff away. that's maddening to me because the dude is probably the best dunker in college basketball mm-hmm. if he really wanted to be. He's built like a brick house. He could post up like pretty much everybody that's guarding him and, and score that way. And he just kind of floats around and shoots jump shots. Okay, college guys, I got a question for y'all. So like Michigan State's in the Sweet 16, eight minutes left. Is Izzo going to go small with Jackson Bridges at the five and the fours and keep his bigs no. in the game? He's, he's going to stick with it. He's, he's going to keep the bigs in? He's also got other big oh. men. He's got like Gavin Schilling that he loves. Yeah. And he, he's got a ton of big men that he that he puts in there. And it's just he's sort of like stuck with 
I think there's a perfect world in which for Izzo where Nick Ward gets in foul trouble early, yes. where Nick Ward has three fouls, and then I think he's forced to do that. And yeah. then he can sort of like, you know, say, well, you know, we were dealing with foul trouble. Jaron had to move down to the five, and that's what we kept. And put McQuaid in at the two, and then just move, shift everyone down Langford at the three. Duncanville, Texas, Matt McQuaid. But listen, this is a different conversation. I know we're supposed to be talking about the draft, but in, <laughs> in bringing up the, uh, the bracket situation, a lot of people are going to be excited about Michigan State, and that absolutely terrifies me that they have like their mm-hmm. two best players playing out of position. But a lot of people are going to look at Michigan State and be like, oh, we, lo- you know, it's, it's Tom Izzo in March, folks. We should do that with the bracket. But Yeah, that's actually my article next week is about that very topic. So mm, Nice tease. Nice tease, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the tough part about Bridges, I think, is he is playing out of position. If you're an NBA team or NBA scout just evaluating him right now within that situation, he, he could be the type of guy where you're like, okay, clearly there's shot creation potential. You mentioned his ability to get to the basket, and yet he settles so much for jumpers. How much of that is because of the situation? How much of that is because of his mindset? And that's what I think between now, whatever the season ends for Michigan State, and the draft, whether it's through workouts, through interviews, group workouts, individual workouts, teams are going to have to figure out, is this in his mind? Does he just mm. want to be on the perimeter? Or is he the guy, when you do space that floor with the NBA spacing, have four-out, five-out offense that he can turn it up to another level? Kevin, do you think he's a four in the NBA, Miles? Yeah, he's good enough of a rebounder to be a four, I think. Okay. Tate, do, do you think he does have that ability to reach a higher level? I think my the thing that holds Miles back right now in college basketball is that I think Miles Bridges is one of those guys in the NBA that can get a rebound and start the break himself. Like he's talented enough to run the break, mm. and that you just don't do that in college. Like that's just you're not yes. given that leeway he, to he be. He barely a, has any possessions doing that. Exactly. At all. So he doesn't do that, and I think he has all the skills to do that. I mean, I sort of always thought of him as Julius Randle, but I think he's got more ball skills than Julius. Like I think he can actually yeah. handle the ball Definitely. and actually has vision and can make passes. And so I totally can see him doing that. The NBA, and I wouldn't be shocked if he's just amazing in the NBA. And we all look back and we're like, "What? What was Izzo doing? You know, boxing him in to this situation?" The one thing I want to bring up about Miles Bridges that needs to be mentioned as well is that he often gets talked about in terms of the NBA draft, like he's damaged goods because he came <laughs> yes. back. And I think we need to make the point that, like, this dude, if he would have come out for the draft last mm. year, as, as my understanding is that he would have been like a top five, maybe top seven, top, certainly top, top 10, ten for sure. Yeah, yeah. certainly top ten. Yeah. He was like billed as that. He comes back. He's doing, like, the exact same things he did last year. He's, like, having the exact same season. He's actually got, like, better teammates. So, like, last year he was given more opportunities to do this stuff, but now he's got Jaron Jackson he's got to deal with. They've only lost four games. He's having a phenomenal season. Everyone's like, eh. It's kind of, it's kind of like when, when, when rookies get drafted. Suddenly yeah. it's like the car's off the lot. Right. No, it's suddenly, oh, their potential's all yeah. gone. They stink as a rookie. It's like, well, let's. let's it's like Josh Jackson now. I see it all yeah. the time. People talking about Josh Jackson. Like, he's getting hot at later in the yeah. season. He's but, been great lately. Yeah, yeah, everyone earlier was like, I just don't think this guy has it. Yeah. I'm like, is he like 18 years old? Like, give, give him a break. We're going to move on to Titus talking about Kata Bates D. But mm. first, let's take a quick break. Isaac, you're a big music guy, right? Couldn't live without it, man. Well, I've been using the wireless Sonos Playbase and two Sonos One speakers to watch TV and listen to music and podcasts. Just the other day, I was listening to One Shining Podcast while mm. cooking my breakfast. Ooh, it was nice. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And the sound quality is just unbelievable. It's like a Kevin O concert in your own home. <laughs> exactly. And I can control the audio with my voice, use any streaming service that I want. I've been using iTunes lately, but might be switching back to Spotify soon. I can do it anywhere in my apartment. I love it. It's like having a movie theater in your home. And once the NBA season is over, I can't wait to sit back, chill, 
and just watch all the movies I've missed this NBA season. Isaac, what movie do you recommend? Believe it or not, I really enjoyed The Shape of Water, huh. uh, which just won the Oscar for Best Picture and Best Score. The score, by the way, composed by Alexandre Desplat, would sound incredible on Sonos. Well, and now... Sonos is offering the listeners of the Ringer NBA show 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. That's S-O-N-O-S.com. Just use the promo code RINGER10. That's capital RINGER10 at Sonos.com. This offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. And now, Titus, it's time for you to sell us on something in our new segment called Show and Tell. What is show and tell, Kevin? Explain to me. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) I went to elementary school, but I'm not sure I remember what what it actually happens here. In show and tell, we're going to bring in ringer staff writers and employees. Yes, you are. That's me. And they're going to present their takes or their thoughts on players, teams, whatever topic. And in under a minute, going to try to sell the classroom. That's us and the listeners about this topic. And then we're going to talk about it. So this week... Mark, you're going to be talking about Ohio State redshirt junior forward Kata Bates-Diop. Oh, my God. So are you aware of a basketball player named Kevin Durant? Because I have a man who is basically, dare I say, Kevin Durant 2.0. Um, now, if you <laughs> nice. like if you like long-armed, very skinny guys who play on the perimeter, and that's pretty much where the Kevin Durant comparison <laughs> stops. So the story of Kata Bates-Diop is this. Ohio State was terrible. At, Kata Bates-Diop is so good that his absence last year got Thad Mata, who is the greatest coach in the history of Ohio State basketball, fired. Thad Mata might be the greatest coach in the history of college basketball to ever get fired for performance reasons, to have like not have be, you know, some sort of scandal off the court or It's usually a scandal. It's usually a scandal for these guys to get fired. He's got he might be the greatest coach of all time who got fired because they're like, we think you suck now. And the reason that they thought he sucked now is because Kata Bates Diop was out all last year. Ohio State fans didn't even realize this as this was happening. He comes back this year. Ohio State was picked to finish thirteenth in the, the Big Ten. In a conference called the Big Ten, they were picked thirteenth. <laughs> um, they for they they go all the way up to ranked eighth in the country, basically because he's honestly probably the best two way player in college basketball. It's not to say he's the best two way prospect in the NBA draft, but in college basketball, as far like he's a shutdown defender, he's he can score on anybody. Um, so that's, say his nickname. Say his nickname. Just throw it out there. K to Big Dick. It, it, the initials <laughs> line up. KBD. Um, so yeah, is he, there more he, to it than that that we can talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Ringer ring NBA the show after it, dark. The more we'll to it that. is that Ohio State basketball fans were non-existent. They had all given up. They had all transitioned back into the football program. And this man has single-handedly captured the attention of an entire fan base and got everybody excited. And we're probably going to lose in the first round to a 12 seed. <laughs> we're probably, but it's okay. Charks, do you share Titus's excitement for KBD? Uh, he seems like a good player. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, who's the non-Kevin Durant comp for him, Titus? Um, Jonas Durepko. Yeah, there you go. Deep cut. Uh, he. How about Mikael Bridges? <laughs> yeah, they're basically the same <laughs> guy. The same guy. Yeah. He's just uh, left-handed versus right-handed. Well, Mikael's right-handed. Uh, no, I'm saying Bates. Isn't he left-handed? Wait, no, Bates. No, yeah, Jay Sean's right-handed. left-handed. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. See, Ohio State basketball for me is just a blur. <laughs> just a blur. Uh, so he he also like like has had injury problems. Since I, I wrote an article about Kata Bates Diop on the ringer.com.com.com. And it was it was sort of like his he had the same issues going on that Mikhail Bridges had in that he was deferring. He's a very passive guy by nature, and I guess that's very the concern. Very soft spoken. Very soft spoken, very passive. And I say that like 
even if I knew nothing else about him, I go to Ohio State practices and he's like the one guy on the team that comes and talk to me and that's always a red flag to me. It's like, if you're an actually good player, why would you talk to me when I fan. Yeah, like that's how I judge people. I go to practices and whoever talks to me, they're always like the managers, the walk-ons mm-hmm. and then Kata comes and talks to me and I'm like, that's that's kind of a red flag. It's usually Micah Potter. Nice. Yeah, it's Micah usually Potter. Potter comes over. So, I guess those would be the concerns. I certainly don't think he should be like a lottery pick or anything like that, but I will ride hard for him going in the first round. I would ride hard for him in the right situation can, can be an effective My NBA question player. to you is, is he going to go to the NBA draft? Because if I'm KBD, I just come back to Ohio State. I try to win a national championship. I try to win national mm-hmm. player of the year. He's already graduated. He's already... Oh, so he's, oh, so he's going to transfer. Oh, no. Where's he going to go? Tate, don't do this. Purdue? Tate, don't do this. <laughs> Charks, 22 years old. If he does enter the draft, where do you think he goes? Uh, he seems kind of like a mid to late first. I wonder if, he, if he's like mm. a small ball four, if he can do any other roles in the NBA. I'd be, I'd be, I'm curious to see. If he's mid first, he's got to go. He's definitely good. He's one hundred percent going for sure. He's for he's sure. already graduated from Ohio State. Sure. He's already his stock's going to be. You know, speaking of being twenty two years old, are are we ever going to see a a senior or a redshirt junior or just a guy who can actually legally drink be the number one pick in the draft again? Can that so. ever happen again? I don't think so. No, because all the best players always come out early. It's so unless sad. one of them really loves college basketball and the college yeah. education, like Tim Duncan. Bridges yeah. was the mm-hmm. one. Like Miles, Miles Bridges. Bridges. Miles Bridges is the one where if like Michigan State goes to the Final Four this year and they lose in some heartbreaking fashion, and Miles Bridges somehow is convinced to come back again, that would blow people's minds. And he just does like a Rocky montage all summer and just like somehow. When Lawson and Ellington and all those guys decided to come back for their junior season, everyone was like, why are you going to come back? You're going to be a first-round pick. And they're like, no, nah, I'm probably going to go win a title. But he's still not going to be number one because be like, he's 21 years old. He's only averaging 25 points a game. What if he's like Marvin Bagley and he has 33 and 17 and they win the national title? Can we talk about Marvin Bagley, by the way, KOC? Yeah, let's do it. So we have the thing. I don't know if people followed the Ringer Podcast Network, but it occasionally gets brought up. It occasionally gets brought brought up on on the various uh, uh, shows that we do that there's a thing called Slack that mm. our our company uses to interact with people. Now, I personally, I, I'm not good with technology. I do not get on the Slack machine. It's made as a flip phone. I recently got on it for the first time in a very long time. I saw, do we call it a Slack? A Slack message. I believe the words that Kevin O'Connor used was, Bagley is trash. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I saw Kevin O'Connor put on the college this basketball. Is, this flag. is first now, half of the Duke Carolina game, correct? I, For, yes. yes. Uh, first, I will allow you to defend yourself. Maybe that's maybe I misread, but I yes. just, there was a follow up that okay. Sharks also criticized me for. Okay, my perspective is that based on the <laughs> hype set for him by. You know, these big networks. So Michael Porter Jr. Twitter. is definitely trash. <laughs> ba- based on the hype that's out there, I think he could severely disappoint the fan base of whatever team drafts him. I think he's a really good prospect, okay. potentially a really great player, and he's an outstanding college basketball just, player. And you condensed that entire thought <laughs> in the trash. <laughs> but... That would have been but, too much to type out. So he's like, we'll just put trash. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying to edit, edit myself. I mean, Slack is for takes. It's not for take backs. You Look, have man, a take, you drop it on Slack. Ba- Bagley's a terrific like prospect. <laughs> he's terrific. But but I do wonder if maybe there's a chance a guy like Wendell Carter could be a better pro. So what I'm, what I'm curious about, out there. and Sharks, Sharks, maybe you can answer this. I'm curious, what are the concerns with Bagley? Because as Tate, Tate already brought up, like Tate and I watch basketball. We watch these guys very differently in a very different lens. And Marvin Bagley to me is like, just uh, like the, the, the best college basketball player. Like, he's honestly the, the most he, he insane thing I've seen since Anthony Davis. I haven't yes. seen anybody out on a college basketball Ooh. floor, and I'm like, how is this man playing college basketball with, with these young people? And 
and he just completely rips him to shreds. And then I hear you know this talk like, <laughs> well, we're not really sure about him at the next level. What is it that we're worried about? The big thing is positions. So like he doesn't really block shots. So can he be a five? He's kind of an inside guy on offense. Can it be a four on offense? Because the NBA for like big guys is very rigid these days. There's mm-hmm. very defined roles you have to fill. And if you don't fill them, it's hard to kind of move the team around him to make sense. I think it's that, but I look at it from a different perspective. I think you could fill any type of role, but it's like he's just not thick enough or long enough to mm-hmm. defend the Joel Embiid's or Carl Anthony Towns of the world. But his defensive instincts also maybe on the perimeter aren't quite at the level they need to be. And it's the type of thing where, yes, that can improve. That can get better. It certainly can. But if you're drafting that guy number one, number two, number three, yeah. it's just I prefer some of the other guys well, in this year's draft class. He's really good. The way you get around the defensive problem is do what Coach K did. Run a 2-3 zone mm-hmm. in the draft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do that in the NBA, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody talk to each other. We're running zone. It'll be fine. Park we'll figure bus. it out. we got to get back on offense eventually. We'll figure this whole thing out. My thing with Bagley is I feel like everyone's talking about him like he's Okafor. Like he's some, you know, he's not, r- like yeah. remnant of the past. Like a big mm-hmm. man that just can't translate to the NBA. My favorite quality about him now is that he'll shoot two or three threes a game. He'll go two for three from three. He'll catch the ball at the perimeter, and you'll be like, for a second, there's a hesitation where you're like, this guy might pull it. But then he'll just drive right by you and just cock it back and dunk. Like, I, yep. I've i never seen anything quite like it. He literally is the scariest player in college basketball. He's, I mean, he's one of the worst Duke headaches of my life, honestly, <laughs> like re- of recent times. Like, I've seen Jabari. I've seen all these other guys. He, he's the scariest one. Can we talk about Duke running zone with five NBA prospects? Like, it's embarrassing. How is that even happening? It's embarrassing. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I love it. The greatest coach in college basketball can't teach man-to-man defense. At all. I, mean, I, I love it. Can we hear an impression? Why are you running zone, Coach K? He's running zone because he doesn't want to teach them how to communicate and run man-to-man defense, and he can't trust Duval. Duval at the top of the zone. I mean, he can't even trust him at the top of his zone to what stay disciplined. The, what was the speech he gave to his team when he was like, we suck at man-to-man, and we're, we're going to get bounced in the first round of the tournament unless we switch the zone, so that's why we're doing it. <laughs> I'm not, you can't say it. It's actually X-rated. The, the amount of expletives that Coach K used to describe that moment. You gotta, so we're trying to get Tate to do his famous Coach K impression that yeah. he does on One Shining Pod. I want to hear this. And he just I, I, won't. I, I know. Come he, on. He won't do it on command. No, I, just I, gotta, I, I don't do things yeah. on cue. We got to okay. wait till the night where I'm not a when, jester. When Duke beats North Carolina for the second time yes. in what, like seven days? No, tonight. That's not going to happen. I'm feeling really good about that game. Well, Bagley's going to be really good. It's just I just wouldn't take him ahead of some other guys. He's definitely not trash. Can I can I throw out one thing? What if he gets drafted by the Atlanta Hawks? Right, and he plays the five, and you have John Collins, Prince, and Bagley. I feel like that's the most formidable like front line you can put out there, and all three of those guys can be on the perimeter. Can we get that? Like, I don't understand why he's not a top five pick. Why am I carrying water for a Duke player right now? I don't like it. Like, would you want to play Bagley and Collins together? Would yes. you want a guy who can block shots? That's literally my dream lineup. <laughs> Would you take John Collins number one in a redraft? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Love John Collins. Well, before we get to discussing draft sleepers, I have a quick question. Titus, mm-hmm. you used Hotel Tonight to I book did. your trip to L.A. this I month. I did, yes. Yeah. Well, fun fact. Unlike flights or other travel, hotel rates actually get cheaper at the last minute. In fact, Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps, and a swipe. To book a room, no long, endless lists of zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. Perfect if you're busy or don't want to overthink things like Tate Frazier juggling producing and hosting GM Street and One Shining Podcast. How do you do it all, Tate? Barely. I'm going to get fired <laughs> very soon. 
Well, you can, well, you can book 100 days in advance if you need to go somewhere else. Absolutely. Vacation. <laughs> to the Glad top, it'll be cheap. To the top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else. Book next week tonight. Book next month tonight. Book St. Patrick's Day tonight. Hotel Tonight is great for last-minute getaways or quick staycations, whether you're a planner or like to leave things at the very last minute. And with Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals you get. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the Hotel Tonight app now. Anyway, speaking of sleeping, let's talk about some college basketball sleep prospects. We're going to build a, mm. a team of sleepers. We have five players. Let's start off with our starting point guard. Devontae Graham from Kansas. Oh, this is Tate's territory. Yeah, I'm going to jump in right now. Devontae Graham, a.k.a. the apostrophe. He already has a nickname. For people that don't know, Devontae has an apostrophe on the E. He has basically been Frank Mason's Robin for his entire career. He came in his freshman year at Kansas, averaged five points per game. This guy from Broughton High School, Raleigh, North Carolina, was always like a good number two guy, was never the number one guy. So he came in this season, everyone's down on Kansas. They have no front line. People are worried about Graham being able to lead this team. And what does he do? He's the Big 12 Player of the Year. He completely carries Kansas to a one seed. And right now, he looks like he should be a contender, a serious contender for National Player of the Year. A lot of people won't say that for whatever reason, but I think he should be the guy. And as far as translating to the NBA, I like guys that people like to play with. And Devontae is a leader. People have always enjoyed playing with him. He can pull up from 30 feet. He's not afraid to do that. I mean, he can just chunk the reason. He mm-hmm. can get hot and go like, you know, nine for 13 from three if he had to in a game. And he's just a tough kid. I can see him draw in a big charge in a big game. You know, he, he's not afraid of the big really moments. Really gritty on defense. Absolutely. Really and, and he's also like 5'11", which is awesome. Well, we love that too. Yes. That's, that translates really well. To the is, is he actually six foot two? I believe, right? <laughs> he's six foot two. Actually, but he's a small six foot two. He's got the hair that sticks Quote out. That's the six foot two. That's why you have to use your hair to your advantage. And also, listings are very important. You know, if you can start, you know, when you're in 11th grade, 12th grade and get whoever is putting mm-hmm. you on recruiting profile, to say you're six foot three, it just stays in people's minds. It doesn't mean that you have yeah. to be six foot three, but you just need to put it out there that you are. So I think that will help him. Um, and then his vertical, I mean, he can jump like 46 yeah. inches. Like he's going to do that at the draft combine, and people are going to be like, holy shit, this guy's a freak athlete. Charks, entering the season, Graham was a guy I had on a list of NBA college prospects to watch. And, and what I liked about him is the defense, the energy, the shooting. But I was worried about the passing ability, and that's something that's improved a lot this season. Do you think Devontae Graham has made enough strides to potentially just get into the back of the first round, or is he the type of guy where you're still viewing him as a second-round prospect? Back of the first round seems a little ambitious, just because like senior point guards who probably aren't going to be stars in the NBA, like how much better is he than Tate's guy Joel Berry? I don't know. Mm. I think I think they're in a tough spot. These are his two favorite players. In well, I think Devontae, the reason that he's a better prospect than Joel is that he has a quicker release. Joel has a lot of problems we saw against Michigan State getting a shot off, especially like when J- he got switched on Jaron Jackson a couple times, and there was just no way he had a chance of getting a shot off. Because he shoots from his chin. Yeah, exactly. He shoots it literally from his chest. It's what Steph Curry's shot used to be before they changed it when he you know switched over in college. And uh, so that for that reason, uh, and I hate to say this because I love Joel so much, shout out to Joel Berry, but I think Graham's a better prospect overall just because of his shot. You know, it's just Quicker. Let's go to Mo Wagner, power forward oh, from Michigan. Yes. Jun- Wagner. Jun- Wagner. Junior Wagner. forward, six foot eleven, two forty-five, scoring fourteen and a half points per game on nearly forty percent from three. Mm. Titus, versatile big guy. Love his energy. He's he. If you watch the Big Ten tournament, I mean, the guy like like he was struggling in the first half of games, then he come out in the second half. He'd get hot, steps out, hits the threes. He's perfect in Michigan's system, like with beeline and mm-hmm. picking and popping, and and the the <laughs> offensive weapons they have at Michigan. They're actually Michigan's actually not that good on offense this year. They're they're weirdly a defensive team, which is kind of not 
normal for them. But when you're watching him in the NCAA tournament, he's going to be one of the guys, like he's the reason people are going to believe in Michigan. And he's the reason Michigan won the Big Ten tournament. He's the reason that if you're looking for like a team, Michigan's probably going to be what, like a three or a four seed in the yeah, NCAA probably tournament. Four seed. And you're looking for like a fun team to pick to, to <laughs> go to the Final Four, win it all. He's going to be the reason that Michigan gets carried there because Michigan, again, like they play great defense. Usually the Michigan teams are like, we play awesome offense. No one wants to guard anybody. Mm -hmm. But this seems different. They play great defense. And then Wagner is the one guy they can throw the ball to and be like, just score for us. Yeah, we're down six. We need need a quick puck and get back on defense and get this thing going. It's funny. The most fun I've had watching Wagner play was when he plays Purdue because he guards Isaac Haas, who's Mm -hmm. like 7'4", 360 pounds of just a mountain of a man. And Wagner can't guard him to save his life, but then Haas couldn't guard Wagner either, and it was awesome. So I'm not really sure, like I'm not sure, like how well he is going to be like guarding low post guys if that's what he's even going to be asked to do in the NBA. But um, his offensive skill set's awesome. I love, I love his energy. He, he, his mom was in the crowd for the Big Ten tournament. He's pointing at her. He's raising the roof, all that kind of shit. So. I was going to say we we definitely underrate his attitude too. Like he yeah. definitely has like a big personality and attitude. Like he seems like the type of guy that could definitely get in a fight with Bobby Portis. You know, like he, he has definitely like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's not afraid. Nice. He looks like the guy that that all the guys will want to dunk on, mm-hmm. but he's not going to take that shit. <laughs> like you try to you try to pull something on him, he's gonna yeah exactly. He's gonna have like a little McRoberts in his game where yeah. he's like. <laughs> Let's move on to a drastically different type of player, DeAndre Hunter from Virginia, mm. freshman player, one of my personal favorites. Six foot seven, long arms, hits threes, only eighteen, just the quintessential three and D type of player. Really locks down on that end. Tate Hunter might not enter the drafts. But maybe could no. There's don't no, do it, DeAndre. Don't maybe, do it. There's maybe. no way that Hunter enters the draft unless Virginia goes and wins the title. And it's like one of those Marvin Williams situations where our bench guy, our sixth man, is so good, and the team yeah. is so good that he gets drafted somehow. I think the most impressive thing about Hunter, obviously, he can score and do all these other things. But they were playing Louisville last night, and he was guarding Mahmoud, who is their five man, and he did a great job against him. But it was like we have this six seven guy, like a Draymond type, that can guard the five. And then when he was on offense, it's like Mahmoud's trying to guard him, and he's yeah. like, I don't know what to do with this guy. Like, why is he playing the? Five right now, so I think talk about translating to the NBA. The guy can play one through five, and I know that's that's a big thing in the NBA right now. So I think Hunter has a lot of value. There's barely any hype for him. It's odd. It's very it it's very weird. I didn't. It's because watch- nobody watches Virginia. Yeah, that's that's really exactly <laughs> what it is. We were watching. Someone someone sent me a screenshot today. Virginia plays Clemson tonight in the ACC tournament, and mm-hmm. someone sent me a screenshot on ESPN. They're talking about who the X factors are for Virginia going into this game. Who's the big X factor? And I think it was your boy Seth Greenberg picked uh, Devin Hall, who is literally Virginia's best player. <laughs> <laughs> like, but that, so to your point that no one watches Virginia they're like I think the X Factor is going to be the best player on the team <laughs> um, so I, I'm working on an article for the ringer.com.com.com uh, about uh, Virginia and like what makes this Virginia team different than the recent Virginia teams and because the recent great Virginia teams the Malcolm Brogdon's the Justin Anderson type teams and the Joe Harris Joe Harris, Joe Harris. Say, come on, yeah Joe we gotta Harris. throw him in there um None of them have made it to the Final Four. The last Brogdon team lost in the Elite Eight. And, mm-hmm. like, sort of the thesis of my article is, like, why should we be confident in this Virginia team when those other ones couldn't do it? And the answer is basically DeAndre Hunter. Like, spoiler alert, if you're going to read the article, we're going to arrive at DeAndre Hunter. He's unbelievable. He gives, like, Virginia a wrinkle that they haven't had in a long— He, he sort of, like, fits the Justin Anderson mold, but he can do so many more things than Anderson could do. And I'm not saying—like, I wouldn't dare say on the air that he's— better than Brogdon because that would get me killed if I tried to go to Charlottesville. The NBA like, here. Yeah, and, and people in Virginia, like he's a demigod to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, would, I wouldn't say that. But but he could be better. But he could saying, be, yeah. Like he's, he's the raw talent. Un- sure. Unquestioned. So, I think he's definitely a better yeah, This pro is a prospect. safe place yeah. for takes, Titus. Just drop your takes. <laughs> 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 Sharks, I feel like Hunter's him. your type of player. Yeah, I mean, 
Honestly, I haven't watched Virginia that much this year, so I can't say that much about it. I got to watch <laughs> well, some more in the tournament. Well, well, one guy who I'm guessing isn't your type that I was a little bit surprised to hear Tate mention yesterday when we when we discussed this ahead of time was Brandon McCoy, freshman from UNLV, near seven foot freshman, averaging seventeen and ten. Mm-mm. Not physical on defense, no. fundamentals and effort just okay. No. Charks, he he does not seem like your type of big man in today's league. I will say though, I interviewed him at the McDonald's game last year. He's a really nice guy. Like he was one of the best. Really good guy. Really good guy. guy But but you're swiping left still. Really nice guy, but you're swiping left. Is that bad or good? I don't. don't (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's bad. bad. Yeah, it's bad. Okay, yeah, we're gonna swipe left. Take tell me on Brandon McCoy. I think the reason that I like Brandon McCoy is you mentioned that you interviewed him. I've watched him be interviewed a couple of times, and I was like, wow, this kid is, like, I like him. I like personalities of people, and I like the way they play. His personality doesn't quite translate to the court. I've watched UNLV play a few times. The reason I like him is there's all these seven-footers at the top of the draft between Jackson and Bamba and Aiton, obviously, at the top. He's probably going to be the number one pick. And I keep seeing all these seven-footers, and I'm like, first of all, that's not as valued as it used to be in the NBA. You know, this is in 2004. We're drafting seven-footers, and we need big men first. And there's Mitchell Robinson and Brandon McCoy, who I've seen late in the first round. And if I'm one of these teams, you know, that's picking late in the first round, maybe I trade back and I try to get a guy like... McCoy or Robinson and I try to develop them on my own because I feel like they have similar skill sets like Robinson's one of those guys where we know nothing about him he literally <laughs> we committed to Western Kentucky and then just doesn't go Stansbury's upset and okay. now, he's, now he's just like working out in LA and I feel like McCoy and Robinson are two guys you can get late that are just like Bamba and, and Jackson maybe Jackson's obviously a different tier than those guys but I just think they're good sleepers in the late first round it's funny you mentioned that because I actually interviewed Mitchell Robinson too and if McCoy was the best interview Robinson was my far the worst. <laughs> like, they're like polar opposite yeah. personalities in every way. It's kind of it's funny you mentioned those two guys. I'll, I'll leave it at that. So I'll take McCoy then. Exactly. Over Robinson. I don't know how much history matters, but it is interesting. The last couple of UNLV big man to enter the league. Steven Zimmerman. Blah. Mm-hmm. You know, Ken Burch. Pulling out. Blah. You get, then you got even some of the guards. Christian Wood. Blah. Rashad Vaughn. Blah. I mean. Uh, Anthony Bennett. Anthony Bennett. <laughs> yeah, we were, get, we were, getting there. Just, we're getting there. Never heard of uh, him. Yeah, never heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick McCaw is really the only UNLV player that's come out and been and any good at all. We should say this. I mean, you talk about culture. Like, people want to have culture around programs. And, you know, obviously we talked about Virginia. They have this amazing culture there. There's probably not a worse culture in college basketball than going to UNLV, being in Las Vegas, yep. like having the turnover of <laughs> no coaches. Kidding. And, uh, you know, having Bishop Gorman there and all these prep schools that are trying to funnel guys to UNLV. I mean, it's a tough place to be. And we saw it with Suleiman Zimmerman. You mentioned all these five-star guys. They were basically homeless trying to find a school that would take them on. And UNLV was like, okay. Okay, we'll just take you on. I'm going to protect us from the idiots online that are going to complain. We mean recent UNLV people aren't good. We know about Larry Johnson and, and Stacey Ogman. Calm down, people. Oh, my God. I, but, that, but that's you know, UNLV like we, we want to see. Well, yeah. we, said, we, we said UNLV people. Sean Marion. Yeah, like the, we, we know. We know you know, but there's somebody that's going to be like, what? What do you mean UNLV people? You know, Come on. Come we on. love Tarkanian. Even Joel Anthony, pretty good player. Mm-hmm. At least as a 12th man. <laughs> LeBron loves him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last guy, our two guard, Bruce Brown from Miami. Projected first rounder, so maybe not a sleeper, but he slipped because he got hurt, underwent foot surgery midseason. He's about been out since six foot five wing. Numbers aren't that great. Eleven point four points per game, twenty seven percent from three. But Tate, you mentioned him. I want to know what is so good about Bruce Brown. What I learned about NBA people in the past year and a half is that they love triple doubles, right? That's what you guys are all about now. Everyone loves triple doubles. Well, it's hard to get a triple double in college. And guess who got a triple double this year? Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. And, that's, wow, yeah. and that's my guy. And uh, we talked about this Miami team a little bit. If you're trying to look for a fun team where you're just like you want a bunch of athletes that could be drafted and then they got this guy Lonnie Walker who's 
probably going to be a top 15 pick, I would assume. And you got Bruce Brown, Lonnie Walker, this whole Miami team. Larry Nega's getting all these guys going in, at least for now, until who knows what. Dropping back. <laughs> who, knows, who knows what's to come. Uh, but yeah, I really like Brown. I think he could be a point guard. You mentioned he was six foot five. I, I really like the way he can facilitate and run a team. When he's on the court, you can feel his presence. Like He pretty much sets everyone else up. He's not afraid to drive. He can take some big hits. He's got like a low center of gravity. I don't know. I'm a big fan of Bruce Brown. I always have been, but I could be talked out. I also thought Shane Larkin was going to be one of the best Larkin ranked like 16th in 2013. Yeah, so I mean, I've he's been back wrong. in the league. He's back. Yeah, I've been wrong before on Miami guys, but I really oh, like Shane Brown. Larkin. Not good. I really didn't. Know. He's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's on the Celtics yeah. now. He's right? like a, just yeah. an occasional energizer point guard and off the bench. Mm-hmm. Nothing special. What four teams in four years? Something like that. Yeah, it, when he played overseas and had success over there, and now he's back, but mm-hmm. still just okay. It's time for grades from our producer Isaac Lee. Okay, this is a very long episode. I want to start with Charks. You mispronounced Mikhail Bridges. It's not Michael. Wait, it's how do you Mikhail. say his name? It's Mikhail. Oh. Right, Tate Titus? Yes, yeah. Mikhail. I like Michael Bridges. He it's sounds okay. like a star. <laughs> we mispronounce things all the time. I just, I just roll with it sometimes. I mean, listen, a benevolent producer would have stopped you and corrected you on the spot, but I'm not that nice of a guy. Instead, I'm roasting you about it right now. You mispronounce his name. And so you get a C- minus today. Mm, oh, that's wow. not bad, though. That's, that's not I bad. Passed. You passed. Yeah, that's pretty you good. Can yeah. Congratulate with that. Barely. Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O-sponsored. We had a lot of ads this week, and you did a great job reading them. Shouts to all our sponsors for dropping the bag. I give our sponsors an A+, and Kevin O'Connor an A. Mm. Thank you. Mark Titus, you gave a very objective assessment on Miles Bridges. Very journalist of you. But I'm not into objectivity. I'm a Spartan. Go green, go white. And I want you to unequivocally praise my MSU guys. And, of course, you're a Buckeye. (laughs) And uh, if I was someone who used swear words, I would replace the B with another letter. And that letter is F, which is the grade I'm giving you. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. wow. I'm never coming back on this program again. <laughs> wow. wow. Holy shit. Nothing personal, you know. Just, uh, Nothing personal, just business. No, 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 no very personal. That's what these grades are for. They're personal. Get out attacks. of my face. Nothing personal. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the other hand, Tate Frazier. First of all, your desk is literally within arm's reach away from me mm-hmm. in the audio office. So I'm not saying that has anything to do with this grade, but you do get an A. You are nice. my predecessor as a producer of the Ringer MBA show. Mm-hmm. You are the OG podcaster on the Ringer Podcast Network. Therefore, you get an A. Nice. Would it kiss my ass? Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> so the nerds got A's. Congrats, guys. <laughs> Us bad boys. Me and Sharks were bad boys in the back of the class. Yeah. Off. Making paper airplanes. Getting chicks. We're getting chicks to go to prom with us. Sorry. Putting gum under your desk. You guys are assholes. Titus, Tate, thank you again for joining the show. This Thanks for fun. having us. Thanks for having us. For extra credit, please listen to the One Shining Podcast with Titus and Tate and Sharks from Texas. Isaac, our producer. As always, that was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Sweet. Special thanks to Elon Musk. Unfortunately, not able to make the show this week. He is going to South by Southwest, but we'll try again future week. But next Friday, we have Danny Chow, editor at The Ringer, back on the show. In the meantime, please keep submitting hashtag Ringer NBA comments and questions during March Madness. Our next mailbag will be back the first week of April. Talk to you next Friday. Peace out. Yeah.